Welcome to this recording brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. I'm Warren Berkeley. Do you have your Bible? I'll be taking us to several important places in Scripture. Please use your Bible to fact check everything I'm going to say. I want to speak to you this morning about the Christian's integrity. That's the title of this sermon, The Christian's Integrity. And it starts with two simple, undeniable principles. One, God expects us to tell the truth. And two, God expects us to make certain it is the truth. I'm going to give evidence of this citing some passages you may be familiar with. So this is our starting place. God expects us to tell the truth, and he expects us to make certain it is the truth before we tell it. I don't think anyone in this audience would question this, but here is the evidence. Ephesians 4:25. Let each one of you speak the truth. Colossians 3 and verse 9, do not lie to one another. Now, what I have done is very simple. I have affirmed something. God expects us to tell the truth and make certain it is the truth before we tell it. I affirm that, and I accompanied the affirmation with evidence reading to you from God's Word. We are dealing with something here very simple, the Christian's integrity. We are to be a people who are meticulously devoted to the truth in all that we say, all that we write, believing we are accountable to God for telling the truth and making certain it is the truth before we tell it, no matter what the subject is. We are a people who do not play loose with facts. We do not ever want to be charged as false witnesses. Our commitment as Christians is, as expressed in Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. So no special pleading, no excuses, no situation ethics. God expects us to tell the truth and make certain it is the truth before we tell it. This can be called the Christian's integrity. So let's take another step into this. A few minutes ago, I cited Ephesians 4.25 and Colossians 3 and verse 9, essentially, don't lie, tell the truth. We understand that. To that, I want to add, there has never been a time when there was not this divine expectation. In the Old Testament, in that body of law God gave to the Israelites, same thing, framed in very serious language. Exodus 23, 1, you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be malicious as a witness. Same chapter, Exodus 23, look down at verse 7, keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. Exodus 20 and verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Conclusion, based on evidence, is before us. God has always expected people to tell the truth, 
and make certain it is the truth before telling it. I'm looking at these passages in the context of God's will for human conduct, and what emerges is the role of evidence. If I'm going to affirm that something is true, that affirmation requires evidence. I need to be certain that what I affirm is true. Have you ever noticed, in both the Old and New Testaments, God wants there to be evidence, verification, that what is spoken or written is true. That's part of our obligation. The Christian's integrity means we know what we speak, type, or share. And if someone asks for evidence, we provide it. If we affirm something as God's will, or someone asks for the Scripture, we are happy to provide that. Should we make a charge against someone, the charge ought to be accompanied by evidence, not just emotion or passion or suspicion. The role of evidence emerges in both testaments, often stated as the confirmation of two or three witnesses. Listen, please. In Numbers 35 in verse 30, if anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Do you see there? A level of certainty that the specified punishment is justified by the evidence. God expects what we do and say to be based on truth, truth that is confirmed, that can be tested. Likewise, in the New Testament, in Matthew 18, 16, when an offense is charged and before any action, it must be established by two or three witnesses. This doesn't mean people who take your side. This is not about a character witness. A witness in this sense is someone who can verify that the offense really happened. So also in 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20, and in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, you cannot just make an accusation without evidence. Verification, this is what God requires. May I add, this standard or burden of proof that God wrote into His law for Israel and for Christians has influenced human legislators and courts historically. In the U.S. Constitution, Article 3, Section 3, no person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act. Again, these witnesses are not just people on your team, on your side. They must be witnesses of the act. So, what have we established about the Christian's integrity? We know we have to tell the truth, and no matter what the subject is, we are obligated to tell the truth. That means we know what the truth is. We respect God's law of evidence. God expects us to tell the truth, and He expects us to make certain it is the truth before we tell it, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Test everything, hold fast what is good. 
And I know you've heard this before in Proverbs 24, 28. Do not be witness against your neighbor without cause. For would you deceive with your lips? I want to take us to one more place about this, and then I'll drive home our applications. God has provided abundant evidence of His existence and power. God is a provider of evidence. Why would His children ever object to providing evidence? God's existence and power is something conveyed by generous evidence, according to Romans 1.20, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature, is clearly perceived since the creation of the world. Speaking to pagans at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas said God did not leave Himself without witness, Acts 14.17. If God is not only willing but eager to provide evidence, we, His children, should be willing and ready to provide evidence of what we affirm. The Gospels. The Gospels are all about not only affirming Jesus to be the Messiah, but giving several strong lines of evidence. Consider Matthew, who repeatedly affirms Jesus to be the Savior God promised, citing fulfilled prophecy as evidence. Then there is John in the Gospel of John. The signs and wonders constitute evidence leading John to write these words. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. What John affirms about Christ, he proves. John begins with claims about who Christ is back in chapter 1, John chapter 1. Then he spends the rest of the book offering evidence. See, it is not expected that belief in God and Christ ought to be embraced simply by affirmation. God gives evidence. It is not blind faith being pushed on us. There is evidence. Luke said in Luke 1 that we might know the certainty of who Jesus is, what he did, and what he offers. And then Luke tells us in the book of Acts what our expected response is. God has told us the truth. He has accompanied his revelation with abundant evidence and clarity. So I'm back where I started. God expects us to tell the truth, and he expects us to make certain it is the truth before we tell it. This is the foundation of our belief in and our commitment to the Christian's integrity. And so it is application time. When we speak only truth, we know is truth, Here's what is happening. Five things. Number one, we are pleasing God. No matter what people may say, there is this confidence we can have when we know we are speaking or writing the truth. We are pleasing God. 
Number two, when we speak the truth and we know it's the truth, we are following the example of Christ, who never said anything that wasn't true. Jesus was hated because he told the truth. Just as Jesus was committed to speaking nothing but the truth, we should be so committed. We are his followers. Number three, when we speak the truth and know it's the truth, we are acting in keeping with the biblical requirement of evidence. Let me ask, when you talk about Christ, the gospel, the church, is there any expectation that you speak the truth and give the scripture citations for what you say? Of course. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, test everything, hold fast what is good. Be ready to give an answer, to defend what you're saying. When we speak only the truth, and we know it's the truth, and we cite the basis for it by opening the Bible, we are acting in keeping with the biblical requirement of evidence. And when we speak the truth and know it's the truth, we are avoiding gossip. Once I have made that steadfast commitment to only tell the truth, and before I tell it to make certain there's evidence that it is the truth, that's a huge step I've taken to avoid the sin of gossip. And even if I know something is true, I must then consider if it needs to be repeated, and to whom, and in what manner. Many years ago, I encountered this quotation from Henry Van Dyke. According to several sources, this is what he said about gossip. Never believe anything bad about anybody unless you positively know it to be true. Never tell even that unless you feel that it is absolutely necessary and remembering that God is listening while you tell it. See, there can be intense temptation to say something about someone when we don't know for sure it is true, and even if true, does it need to be shared or passed on? Here's one passage that can help us guard against gossip. In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Being committed to truth and evidence can help us and keep us from whispering and spreading discord. And if we speak the truth that we know is the truth, we are building credibility with people around us. I want to spend a few minutes with this point. Paul wrote in one of his letters about how careful he was. In 2 Corinthians 8.21, listen to what he wrote. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. What is honorable? People should see and hear that from us. What is honorable? 
If I'm writing or speaking on religion, politics, current events, science, celebrity news, or the social media issues of the day, people should see and hear what is honorable. If I am loose with the truth in one area, people may be skeptical of everything I say in other areas. As people get to know us, they should see Christ in us, see us as faithful people of God. And that always means we are committed to truth. What is honorable matters to us. We don't just say or write or post anything. We want to make certain it is true. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. Proverbs 12:22. Perhaps what we need to do, me and all of us, is be careful, pause, and apply discipline. Could it help if we label what we say for good clarity, in the interest of integrity? If it is a joke, label it as humor, not news. If we think we need to say something, but we are uncertain as to the source, make that uncertainty clear. If we feel we need to express a suspicion, but we have no evidence, make that clear. Opinions and judgments and preferences, we have those, but let's not turn them into absolute truth that everyone must accept. What we're talking about is the Christian's integrity. One of our goals this year, as presented from Philippians last week, is love abounding more and more in all knowledge and discernment. Well, one direction of love is loving the truth. As I press on and grow and strive to be a better disciple, I need to cultivate such love for the truth This integrity is seen in me by God and others, the Christian's integrity. I need to take what we have studied from Scripture and apply this every time I open my mouth, every time I write an email, post on social media, pass something on, share a quotation, or send a text. Here's what we've been talking about in one simple statement. Proverbs. 2323, buy the truth and sell it not.